Welcome to You're Making It Worse. I'm Elliot Glazer. I'm H. Allen Scott. And I'm Brent Sullivan. We're here. We're queer. Help! Textual healing. So recently, uh, Pete Buttigieg was on the campaign trail. My favorite. Your favorite. <laughs> and uh, they went, they were supposed to go to a bar in Rhode Island, a gay bar called The Dark Lady. For a fundraiser? For a fundraiser. Who um, calls a bar a dark lady? <laughs> Come on, guys. Listen. It's better than That's like. That's what Ellie calls his booty hoe. Like, I just <laughs> imagine someone casually being like, so later, after I work, you want to go to the Dark Lady? Dark is, Lady. I can, ridiculous. I can, I mean, it's less ridiculous than I mean, like, I'll go there. I'll do anything. You want to pay me to be there? I'll be there. Yeah, yes, rage. rage is also bad. Well, anyway, so. Uh, stank. Uh, stank, sure. <laughs> is that a real bar? Taint. No. Um, yeah, it should be. <laughs> So, the, so anyway, so the dark lady has criticized Buttigieg's campaign because they canceled the fundraiser there over the presence of a, quote, dancer pole. Buttigieg canceled his fundraiser at this bar because yes. of a dancer pole. And I don't think Pete was even – I don't even think Pete was going to show up. It was – Chastin was scheduled yes. to headline the event. Uh. Um, but they backed out the same day uh, because the club would not remove – the stripper pole, basically. And so the, <laughs> the owner of the Dark Lady, Buck, Asp, uh, Buck Asperino, said, um, we sent pictures of the club ahead of time. They knew exactly what the place looked like. It's been here since we opened. It's not going anywhere. The dancer pole is part of who we are. <laughs> if you want to dance on a pole, we're the place to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the I, question is, uh, is this, like, I, is this I, prude? I, I, Torn in eight different ways by this. Uh, yeah, I think everyone's ridiculous in this situation, down to the person who named the bar. But, um, but I, I mean, I also think, okay, on one hand, it's an odd and unique position for their campaign to be in. I mean, sure, but he also was going to hold a fundraiser with a police chief who wouldn't release footage of a black teenager being beaten to the public. So, like, the the decision of the Buttigieg's campaign to have fundraisers in in areas and not do full research of the people that they're doing having fundraisers at is they have a good record of doing that. Um, that said, so what do you think? I think that the Buttigieg <laughs> campaign is so terrified of like appearances and so. Um, uh, they're they're trying to paint this picture. I mean, he did that Fox Hall Town Forum thing. Like, Buttigieg's Done. campaign does have a bit of a um, holier than thou sort of like he. It's like he's been running for president since he was in college, and he wants to do it perfectly, and he's the robot that's going to do it. That said, the the bar also is ridiculous because like, come on, you could unscrew it. It's not a big deal. But they turned it into like a sex positive message, and that is not the case. That is not. It's not who you are. I was, I was actually going to say to play devil's advocate, I. Holier than thou might certainly be apt yeah. to describe his campaign, but I also think there's a standard in him being a gay man that it's very easy to sexualize. That's him. what I thought too, and that's the connection that I made. Which is, here's Chastin. Uh, I guess it seems a little derivative to care what, where your where his husband is yeah. going, but here's Chastin in front of a stripper pole. Um, I don't know. I I I, I certainly get that the um 
that that sort of appears a little off for a presidential campaign. So don't, also don't, don't take it... a picture in that corner. So stay away from the stripper pole. There's a whole other side of the bar. I saw pictures of the dark lady. It looked big. Mm-hmm. But also, I guess, is that is there empathy for the fact that, uh, yeah, on that one hand, being the gay candidate <clears throat> requires Pete to basically sidestep anything that could highlight sexuality meaning even if there is a stripper pole like the other part of it is like well it's still a gay bar so i mean there's that element to it as well i guess i wonder if another candidate would be as i hate saying the word prudish but like there is like like you were saying alan the idea of him being sort of like the robotic perfect candidate if it would requ- if another candidate would have to consider the same fear of I being seen as sexualized for that I, I think i think the bar is dumb for turning it into a sex positive tro- it, it doesn't that's not the conversation that needs to be had in this in this discussion of them canceling but also i think the Buttigieg campaign are fucking foolish for you know being so uptight i mean you have like elizabeth warren walking through vegas pride in a fucking ridiculous rainbow boa looking like a crazy energetic insane woman and that's great but she's doing it and sure she has straight privilege in doing it and i get that Buttigieg is probably very keenly aware of the appearances of oversexualization because he is the first gay major candidate to run for president that said his past record of basically holding fundraisers with anyone anywhere anyhow just get that money corporate or otherwise this kind of then screams like Oh well, I, I only per, I will only be in certain gay situations if it meets the type of gay that I am, mm-hmm. and 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 that I, I would actually I find I, I am find uncomfortable. I I hear you. I definitely hear you. I guess I would view it as maybe it's focus grouped. Maybe it's it's just their own paranoia. But to me, it's like maybe that really is the Achilles heel of a gay candidate in twenty twenty, which is you. At any point, if you come across as anything but Pete Buttigieg, which is super buttoned up and super yeah. proper and road scholar and all this shit, then the the spiraling will happen in the media. You're a pervert. Your your husband's a pervert. I don't think, whatever. I, I I and I don't. I get. I totally hear what you're saying, but I don't think that that would. I don't think his his campaign that is an experience that has happened on his campaign. But also too, I, I think back to there's a, a article the New York Times did a video series the New York Times did with the candidates and they asked each candidate like serious questions and silly questions. And one of the silly questions was, "What's your celebrity crush?" And Pete Buttigieg literally looked at the camera and then said, "Not for the New York Times to know." Every other candidate said someone stupid or they worked it into a political message. Like, you know, one of them said, I mean, Elizabeth Warren said The Rock, which is like ridiculous. But then <laughs> another one said, another one said his Get wife. Like, you know, another one, there's lots of different answers that happen, but they all said somebody. And Pete Buttigieg just sort of was like, no, but not doing it. But he can't win. He can win, though, because he, he just refuses not to do it. Like he could say his husband. He could say he could say a woman. He could say I mean No, if he said I mean he'd be damned if he did damned no, if he did. No, he could say J Lo. Everyone loves J Lo. J Lo's the moment right now. J Lo is the crush of everyone, gay and straight right now, <laughs> collectively. I mean, there's so many it's like he's so calculated in a way that is not authentic, but also I think is 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 well, harming humor- his campaign. It's, it's humorless. Yeah. He he seems to be humorless. But I just, I just, I don't know. I mean, I, 
I don't think I, he's the victim of being overly sexualized and being seen as like too gay. No, he's, he will he's never not. Be, That's he will thing. never be too gay, and he's so afraid of being too gay. And I don't think it's because he's worried it'll ruin his campaign. I mean, I think we're in a time where a president can say, grab her by the pussy and get elected. Mm -hmm. So, like, Pete Buttigieg can say he has a crush on so-and-so from some dumb movie, and he's going to be fine. But that's the question. <laughs> we can say that, but he would bear the brunt of whatever that— I don't think he would. Well, I don't know. I mean, to me, I get ner it feels to me the same way that people talked about um, Hillary in 2016 when they were like— Another robot. Right. But the idea yeah. of like, I won't, uh, sh you know, people who were her supporters, women in particular, were mm -hmm. like, I don't have to like her just because she's a woman. Mm -hmm. And then I felt like they were unfairly uh, eager to trash her in some way, not necessarily drag her through the mud, but, mm -hmm. but yeah. have reasons to find her to be problematic. And then obviously we saw what happened. So I don't know. I'm always torn on this, but I do think the humorlessness is certainly a problem. But I, but I always think like, God, I wonder. I do wonder, even if, even if this, even if society is more, you know. I think uh, Barack Obama is uh, a great example to point to go to in this. Like, we have a history now. We have two presidents back to back who tested what Americans accept is acceptable of a president and how a president campaigns, or how a person campaigns for president and the type of person that does. And these two presidents back to back, and the one that lost, are examples of people who have done things in the non-traditional way. You have the first black man who is has a strong wife who is not hiding who she is just to be this sort of wife to the guy who's running for president. She was a very independent woman, which is a radical thing, especially for a black woman to be. And he tested that. He was they were authentically that. And guess what? It worked. People love her. And and it's and I Michelle think it's, Obama we're talking about. And I about. think it's the same with with <laughs> in some ways I think you can even argue it's the same with Trump. He didn't try to hide who he was. He laid it all out for us to see and for people sure. still loved it and voted for him. Not us, but they did. Yeah. And I think what Pete is doing is a classic example of this is not how we elect presidents anymore. Right. I mean, I, this is such a dumb thing to point to, but I'll never forget listening to this podcast called uh, Making Oprah. Mm. It was like W. It was the Chicago yeah, WBEZ. Really interesting podcast. Oh, right. And she talked about, because this was right after the election, mm -hmm. and she was saying on the podcast how in 2000 she had Bush and she had Gore on her show before yeah. the election. And she was like, Gore came on and he was perfectly nice and shook my hand and was lovely and, you know, polite. And Bush came on and kissed her on the cheek. Yeah. And she and the audience was like all about it. And They're he whispered. To, yeah. And, the, and he, he whispered to her, um, like, I'm in it to win. Yeah. And it was and she was like that from that moment on, including with Obama. She was like char she said charm wins. I mean, that's really and it. that's what Trump, too. I yeah. Mean, we don't find him charming. Do you, but do you think the bar. If you were the bar owner, yeah, would you have removed the stripper pose? The stripper yeah, pole? I would have. I would removed have. a stripper I would pole. have. Yeah, I, I, and I wouldn't have made it into some dramatic issue. I probably would have told uh, Chaston when they got there how much of a pussy they are, but <laughs> sure. um, for doing that or even suggesting that or being or being afraid of whatever that, I probably would have probably aired my objections to it. But I would have removed it, no problem. Huh. I'm, in, I'm, yeah. Well, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm on the fence. Not even joking. We're here with Danny Francese. No. Francese? No. Wait, Danny Frances. No. Danny Frances. No. Danny Francese. Closer. Oh my God. Danny Francese. <laughs> Danny Francese. I'm loving this. Danny Francese. Oh. Danny Francese. It's like I don't have my own air conditioner. I have to use my friend's AC. 
Danny Friends AC. <laughs> <laughs> that is the longest. That's good. One. When did you come up with that? I didn't. RuPaul did. Ah. <laughs> Danny Friends AC. Yeah, I was talking to Ru and, and Ru was like, "So how, I'm American, and how do I say your name?" And I was like, um, <laughs> "I'm from Brooklyn." I, I, so I used to say like. Well, you know how Martin Scorsese is really people call him Scorsese sometimes. Yeah, I'm like, well, it sounds like it rhymes with the mispronunciation of his name. That was the long-winded uh, one I was going yeah. with. And it was like, oh, I get it. And then did Wait, that line. Wait, said I'm American. She, she was kidding. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you are from Brooklyn initially. initially. Is it an Italian name? It is an Italian name. Yeah. It means like those French guys or something. Like, oh. The, you know how like you can send you can send into like the Lillian Vernon catalog and get like the yeah. crest of your family. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like like pre 23 and me. Yeah. Oh my God. Like it was the like. I think the story on my dad's wall is that there were these two brothers who were sculptors uh-huh. and they went to France to learn master sculpting and yeah. then came back and it's like, oh, the French guys. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so that's oh sort my of God. how they my name fucked. came about. They all fucked. What part of Brooklyn are you from originally? Uh, Bensonhurst. Okay. And then yeah. you were there and then you moved to Boca? Gravesend specifically. Like... Well, we moved right near Boca. Yeah. Um, right. How old were you in, in Florida? Uh, what were your years? Seven to twenty-one. Wow! Oh, and wow. Florida, anyone who had their their prime years, really their young years sure. in Florida, I'm always fascinated by because life, especially in South Florida, it's is weird, strange, yeah. or at least not like the rest of the country. Right? It's a little bizarre. It, well, we were living in a. It was like diet Brooklyn. We were living in a yeah. pocket of other New York Italians and Jews. Like yes. I didn't know anyone else. Yeah. Except for kids at school who were like you know super white. Yeah, I'm from New York, and I only know, like, I really have only been to Boca, Del Rey, Fort Lauderdale, you know. That's it. That's, that's it. That's, that's it to me. The pocket. Were you yeah, yeah, sweating yeah. all the yeah. time? Because I was oh, sweating was the, the time. I don't understand the appeal. I wanted to I rock, went, but all sweating. my cousins were rocking. So I would. I wore a hoodie one day the first day of school and had to walk to school. It was like yeah. dripping and sweat. Oh God! I, mean, I would wear suede and layers. The heat or the humidity. The humidity, because I don't yeah. mind heat. Like, I love Palm Springs. I love the desert. Yeah, of course, because it's a dry, a dry heat. heat. Yeah, I love a dry heat. But, like, humi- it's like you know when you get out of the shower and you start sweating? Yes. Like, that's what it, yeah. like, you can't cool off. I had a similar experience in grade school. I remember the first, I distinctly remember the first time I ever noticed I was, I could sweat, or that I was sweating, like, under my armpits. I was sitting in my fifth grade Mr. Parsons class, and I was wearing a Arizona jeans t-shirt, like a maroon t-shirt, and I started to sweat under my arms. And I yeah. got so nervous that I started to stuff Me too. my shirt I did that into my arms shoes. and then at recess oh, wow. or at lunch when I stood up I had fucking like oh, like no. angel wings yeah, up yeah, on yeah. my shirt oh, of just like no. massive sweat rings. You know what's I funny? Sweat. So embarrassing. Yeah. I couldn't. I never sweat under my arms. Oh, bragger. And I, don't I guess I don't sweat a lot. Really? And I, I used sweat to my head, but not my arms. Oh. I used to view it as like a sign of being an adult. Oh, and so oh, I would yeah. be jealous. Oh wow! Of oh. teachers who had sweat under their arms because I'm like. One day. <laughs> one day. It's the one thing I wish I could not have. I sweat on my head like profusely. It's yeah. horrible, especially yeah. as an actor. Like theater, I always yeah. have to have like some weird thing. If I wear a wig, I Towel. put a ShamWow under it. <laughs> oh, wow. Like, I, you know, like tricks. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like whatever I could do. Like, um, I can, wigs, I can give it. you. A, I can give you an, a suggestion. They're called Chill It's. It's a type of headband that I wear to the gym. That you make them wet, right? And they're cold. And no, I tried those and I don't like those. I don't like those either. <laughs> just, those just stay damp. Okay. Chill It's are great. Chill you can get them from this weird like site for like construction oh, I'll workers, <laughs> and they are great. They retain all the sweat, and there's no mess, no fuss, and it's they're they're like you, you get like them a in sham like, wow for your forehead. No, I mean they have like. But a, see, the thing is, a like camo. You use style. those in situations where you 
the intent is to sweat, like working out. Yeah. Whereas like I, when I sweat sometimes, it's in situations where I'm not supposed to be sweating, yeah. and then I can't wear something done like a chillet. I can. I, I oh wear chillets. This would be the, the Danny Franzese episode of your show where we talk about head sweat. <laughs> what have I done? What have I done? But it's so real. No, it is a real thing. True. Like I got Botox once. <laughs> uh -huh. The weirdest way you would ever get Botox for your sweat behind a curtain at a gifting suite. Oh. With like somebody like what are not you, a real but like, a, like, a, like a Mark Paul Grossler like waiting next. Did it work though? <laughs> um, they they don't. They we weren't giving away enough, so they just did like a little oh, bit. No. And I don't oh. think it worked, but it felt really good. Yeah. Oh, it was almost like a tattoo oh, really? moment where I was like, I've, so I never did it that. again, but I would do it again. Yeah. It, like, like before the Oscars good. or any major award show, they get their there's the Botox under their arms and stuff so that they yeah. don't sweat. Stop. Stop. But yeah. apparently right. they do like a lot more um, like yes. CCs or whatever than I was doing. I was getting right. like just like five, and you're yeah. supposed to get like 250 oh. or something. Wait, where did you get it? Mean Girls money. Get that sweat. Mean Girls money. Yeah. You talked about Mean Girls and how. You know, it sort of, I don't want to say, I was going to say plagued you for years, but there was a, a time I hate to where say you, anything negative about it. It's a blessing, a blessing, a blessing. Yeah. You know right, but I mean? you've said in the past, you've said yeah, the past until a certain point, like what? it kind of, it chased well, I never, you. No until, one ever asked me to audition even for like a gay role before Mean Girls, and then after that I couldn't even get into a straight role. Yeah. Like it was like immediately I would I noticed a, a complete difference in what people thought I could do and couldn't do yeah. based on whether I was gay or straight. And it, if they would be like, are you gay? And I would say yes. They'd be like, I knew it. Only a gay guy can do that. And then if I would say, <laughs> no, I'm straight, they'd be like, you're so talented. Yeah. So it was wow. just like. like wow. <laughs> That's disgusting. It was horrible. Did, you, was did horrible. you find it difficult to find gay roles that I mean because I can see that being yeah, a challenge the gay, well, I didn't the mind gay roles that gay. were interesting exactly yeah I was offered something I never saw the Nanny Diaries maybe you guys might remember the role I don't oh, know oh with Scarlett Johansson but she had a roommate or something and it was just like I was to wear a feather boa and eyeliner <laughs> yeah, and answer right. the door and be like hey girl what do you want she's not yeah. here or some shit and slam the door and I was yeah. just like I'm not fucking doing that <laughs> yeah it, just didn't, it didn't feel me you know and yeah. I was or, or it didn't feel like it was moving the envelope of acceptance forward and mm -hmm. I thought that Damien did do that. Like Damien was never, you know, he never got his head shoved in the toilet. He was like able to like breathe. Yeah, and, he stood his own. Yeah, and just be able to like yeah. exist. And I think that meant a lot to the fans. Like, and because you, yeah. you said there, were, like you, you know, it, you had your feelings about it, but then it wasn't until you read a specific piece of fan mail yeah. that changed the way you thought about it. Well, you know, I. Around like six years, the movie's six years old. It's like my movie's six years old. Like, can I like be known for something yeah. else? I want to do something else. Yeah. But ten years, it kind of became a classic, and the letters kind of changed. Like, I always got fan mail, but this was different. Yeah. Um, it wasn't just like you're funny. It was like you've impacted my life. Like, I, and, and one of the ones, I, I mean, I got many that were really emotional for me. But one of them I got said. Uh, I don't know if you're gay or not, and it doesn't matter. And I was like, Ugh, I have to come out because it totally matters. You know. Oh. I was doing all of the like prop eight. And like all the riots, and I was canvassing for Obama, and I was doing all this stuff that I that when if, when I thought it was important, I was showing up. But showing up is all the time authenticity to me now. Like, yeah. and that's what I felt at that point I needed to be. And anyway, he continued on. And he said, when I was in um, uh, eighth grade, I was beat up for being chubby and tortured for being a sissy. Mm. And then your movie came out, and in ninth grade, on the first day of my freshman year, the popular senior girl said, "You're like Damien. Come sit with us." Wow. And he was like, "And you made me popular, like for high school." And he's like, "I thank you." so much like i know that it was yeah. so nice to have something to look up to that in media that i could point at and say i'm like that yeah and i just was like so wrecked because i didn't especially, have it especially I didn't have that. in an era i mean when did mean girls come out 2008 four four um in an era in those sort of the aughts early aughts where really the only queer representation outside of maybe on television the only queer representation in film was 
someone struggling, someone either near death or had, there's a hate crime or yeah. there was some like and some, black eyed peas and Eminem were saying faggot in their songs yeah, and yes, like and yeah. people were going that's so gay like yes. you know and there was so much of that and it was like the Paris Hilton like that's so gay kind of culture that whole like thing mm-hmm. there was no there was no place and especially for a queer person of size like it just didn't yeah. exist not. yeah like I mean I didn't it was I, just you and Rousey and what I really loved <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> what I loved about Tina what she put in the script is she said Damien is probably fat but definitely gay wow <laughs> and I was like that's me I'm probably fat if you saw yeah. my headshot you'd be like he's probably fat <laughs> don't you love that when a picture can be like he's probably fat yeah <laughs> that's, that's my entire life yeah <laughs> That's so great. That's so great. Yeah. The next big role you got after Mean Girls was that looking? Uh, yeah, I had done uh, like little stints. I had did like War of the Worlds. I was on the comeback, like which is oh, really cool. Yes, I remember that. Um, I did like uh, a couple of uh, movies. Uh, I spit in your grave and stateside things. I really liked doing, mm-hmm. uh, but didn't I guess didn't like get huge. Mm-hmm. And then looking was the next thing I did that kind of like broke through huge. Yeah. Besides Should Italian Mom Say my YouTube stuff, but yeah. like yeah, that was really like the thing that sort of how did it like what did it change for you? How did it change things for you? Looking, yeah. Well, the, what really changed is, you know, Damien didn't get a kiss at prom. Da- like, I was sort of, like, still, in a way, a castrated comic relief. Mm. Like, I didn't feel... Like, I. the thing that bothered me is that the roles that I was going up for just weren't sexualized at all. And, like, I was like, we, like I did this movie Kill Theory, and I'm like... And even though I was playing straight in that, I'm with Ter- opposite Terry Manning, and I'm like, will you please kiss me? I'm, like, begging Terry Manning. You know, like, I'm just like, I, I'd never have a problem, yeah. like, getting laid. So why do all my characters do? Do you know? So mm-hmm. I just understand. And then here comes looking, and they're just like, we want, we're want we going to have you be pursued. Your character's going to be HIV positive, and he's never going to get sick. Like, and he's not going to be pers- pursued um, in spite of that, but maybe because of it. And, like, you know, it just, like, opened up all this stuff. I was like, this is important. Yeah. This, this feels sexy. This is important. This is empowering. Like, you know, and so th- I think that's why it was such a big splash, because it was, like, an opportunity for me to show someone in the queer lexicon that looked different mm-hmm. again, you know? And, um... I mean, I like different. I'm not like an alien or anything, but it's just like, no. but, but I may, I may yeah. be an alien in that lexicon, you know, like in that culture, like everything that queer people get sold has like a side of abs. They're like, come to our new tire shop with these yeah. abs. Yeah, yeah, here's yeah. some froyo and some abs. It's like we never get to see a person that looks different. And then I, you know, I got letters. This is when I knew it was working, and what I thought was gonna, what me and and even the creators are talking about, like openly, mm-hmm. is just that I got a letter from a guy who's like, I see me girls like maybe once, like like you know a million years ago. He's like, and I've never seen looking, and I don't know what an Eddie Bear is, but this yeah. guy has been dating me for three months, and he's so fucking out of my league, and he keeps saying to me, "You're my Eddie Bear." Oh. He was like, and I don't know what it is, but it's you, and keep doing whatever you do, buddy. Uh-huh. He's like, <laughs> that's great. And I do think that like around the time there was like the beginning of the dad bod movement or something it yeah. kind of pushed a little people to be like hey that could be sexy that, that is something that i think looking really did i mean i think any gay or really gay male driven show i think is successful when the gay audience that watches it is polarized on their reaction to it you know mm-hmm. there was because i mean looking was a really polarizing i think show within the community in some spaces because they felt like the lead didn't necessarily represent or it it fed into the whole but even still you know jonathan groff said that some woman came up to him and said that she didn't know that gays could have sex facing each other 
Oh wow! Yeah, it's just That's there's amazing. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was something that we all were like, "Whoa!" About you know, because it's just like well, that they, was a logistical response. Yeah, they just yeah. don't really know a lot of the information. Yeah. There was a lot of things that looking, even though, you know, a lot of shows do that. Like I know Jonathan was like quote unquote like I mean he's a perfect specimen. It's not even like naughty to say yeah. that he's gorgeous and amazing and a nice person and talented. But yeah. like, um, it's it's almost like Piper in Orange Is the New Black. She's like the Trojan horse to get you to the queer people of color story. Yeah, and it was like that's what this did it was like the you know a way to it's about this guy but really all of a sudden now it's about this HIV positive bear and Mm -hmm. this uh you know um woman of a certain age and 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 her black boyfriend and then this and him in love with this puerto rican guy or this but you know it's just like it ended up being like all about that you know and i felt like we did have i mean we had everybody we were the we employed the most trans actor at the time we like broke a record that's great they saw all these kids these trans kids to play that one uh trans girl that um uh i think who knows where the storyline would have went but we probably would have adopted her let's say Mm -hmm. like or something like that and uh they saw all these kids and they just hired them all and then made my character teach a a, a group of trans kids so all these trans actors from like around the country all got jobs i mean Mm -hmm. and then carmen cuba who i think is a brilliant casting director um cast like some of the most iconic things of all time she discovered me in a club for bully larry clark's movie bully yeah um in fort lauderdale but she also has done stranger things and i mean just like incredible projects what do you mean she oh in a comedy club no in a, in a, she discovered me in, in a, a club. in a gay club. Really? Yeah, in Fort in, Lauderdale. In Fort Lauderdale. What is, how does that work? They were. Uh, uh, do let me finish my last yeah, point. Is yeah. that she cast that show and she would like make the chef be like a trans man and never say anything about it. It would never be a part of the story. It was that sort of a it type of thing. Is. Yeah, just is right. That's what was my point. But that story. So bully my first movie. Like I um, the Brad Renfro film. Right. Yeah, yes. I had. Uh, um, been so I was doing theater in South Florida, earning my equity card, and one of my cast members' partner uh, was a drag queen, is a drag queen named Electra, who was like, "You've never been to a gay club? Like, come with me." And I still hadn't really figured out what I was doing or whatever, but I started going to the clubs. You well, know, you, you weren't out yet, though. No, not even really to myself. I was okay. still dealing with it. Um, I was actually like just out of conversion therapy. Oh, so I had like bro. one foot out of that, and like kind of just like feeling what was going on. <clears throat> And so um, she was like, come to this. It's about, it's like showbiz, you know? So I got to see drag queens perform for the first time. I'm still like a mega drag queen fan. I collect them like Pokemon. I like love drag queens. <laughs> yeah, I've seen like, drag come a lot. I love yeah. drag queens. Like, I love that form, that, that form of entertainment. Well, you better Google me, bitch. <laughs> Done. <laughs> I just said a Brent. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> bitch. <laughs> but I would do this talent show, and I, my rent at the time was $400. Yeah. And, um, mm-hmm. and if the talent show was every Monday, and it was like, you win $100. So yeah. if I win every Monday with like a bit prepared, the chances are I would win because it was the kind of talent show where like they'd be like, anyone have a hidden talent? Anyone? It was People weren't rushing yeah, yeah, to yeah. sign up for Monday night in Fort yeah, Lauderdale. Yeah. Right. But I would go in with like numbers and gags and bits and I would win often. Sometimes I would pay my rent from just like winning this wow. show. Out of That's drag. Great. Not in drag. Not in drag. Just, just doing shows. Yeah, oh, like cool. I think I sang like Mary J. Blige's I'm Going Down to a Giant Dildo. <laughs> just like <laughs> stupid shit. You know, like funny, stupid stuff. Yeah. Wow. And I was friends with a lot of the, the the drag queens and the performers, so they let me props and stupid shit. Anyway, this night I performed and I didn't win. I came in like second to someone's ass, probably. <laughs> and um, I get a twenty-five dollar bar tab, and I was drinking. And then someone's like, I, you know, when you see somebody in your hometown that you know they're not from that hometown, they're like from yeah, somewhere sure. else. Oh, yeah. Or when you see someone who's not from New York or LA, and they're like there, and you're like, you just know. Yeah. These people were from LA, and it was literally like 
you know, um, Brad Renfro, Nick Stahl. Like, yeah. I didn't know who they were, but the cast. It was the cast, and yeah. like, um, and Carmen and Larry Clark. Yeah. And I was just like, who are these people? Like, you know, on a Monday, like strolling through this club. And then someone's like, they're making a movie. And I was like, whatever the movie they're making in here, girl, I don't want to be in, you yeah. know? <laughs> but they're like, no, no, no. Like, you know, he made that movie Kids. Oh and I had God. seen you had Kids seen it? nine times in the yeah. theater. Oh. Like, in the theater nine yes, times? Because oh I had seen a commercial for it on MTV. Yeah. And then I saw an advertisement for it in the paper. Mm-hmm. And I just remember being like, this looks like something culturally important I need to get mm-hmm. my hands on. I was always like a cinephile. I always like yeah. searched out John Waters movies or tried to find the weird, wacky USA Up All Night kind of things. Yeah. So I was like gravitated. Once I saw this movie, I brought friends. I was like, do you want to go see a movie I saw? And I would see it again and again with different people. <laughs> it's a people. romantic comedy. Let's yeah, go. Just, like, oh my trick God. People. Be like, you wouldn't... And shock so my intense. friends with this movie. Yeah. So I'm a little drunk and like uh, I'm just like Carmen's going around and with a clipboard and getting kids' names, like mm. like people's names, and I keep like putting myself like in her line of sight, and she doesn't. Finally, she saw me, and when she saw me, it was like, bing, and she made a beeline towards me, and I was like, oh, it worked, you know, <laughs> like, and she was like, uh, how would you like to audition for this movie? And I was like, I'm uh, an equity actor. It's a great thing that you would say. She's like, you're not equity. I'm like, I am, and I had run to the car and got like my little headshot, oh you know, my God. and I gave it to her, and she was like, okay. She was like, um, would you like to audition? And I said, sure. And she goes, do you know the movie Kids? I'm like, are you freaking kidding? I love it. Mm-hmm. She's like, do you want to meet the director? I'm like, yes. So she introduces me to him. And I was told that they were making a movie that sounded like a gay movie, so I started acting real gay. And I was just like, <laughs> I was just like, I've been in this scene for like a million. Like I just was like, not. Yeah. It was. I was thinking oh, about no. the guy who sold Chloe seventy the ecstasy in yes. kids. I was like channeling oh him, and I was like trying to be that guy. And he was like, get this guy away from me. And I started quoting the lines through his movie. I was like a super fan wow. to Larry Clark. And he was yeah. just like, whatever, whatever. So she goes, listen, I'm gonna call you. You're gonna have this appointment or whatever. So I didn't hear from her. Like two weeks went by, and then um, I uh, uh, get a beep from someone who I went to like go to a uh, um, Fruit Loop commercial oh. the week before. Wow! He calls me. He's like, "I got a movie for you. Can you come to Miami?" I do love Fruit. And so I made my nana drive me to Miami because I really didn't have the gas money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like forty minutes, and she drove me. And I met the guy, and he's like, "Holy shit! Where have you been? We've been trying to get in contact with you." He goes, "It's too late because the auditions in Fort Lauderdale." And I go, "No, that's where I'm going after this." He goes, "Quick, go here!" And he sent me an address, and I'm freaking out. So we speed Your to nana this. is driving you all my, these places. I think I was driving my nana <laughs> was in the car. Nana <laughs> was so my nana was a part of it all. She's in the movie. Oh we, so my anyway, God. we drove and like. Is she really? Yeah, we got to the audition and then um, I was working at Whole Foods at the time. Oh. As a cashier and I, I had to like call in because they were shorthanded and they were mad and my like you know phone was going crazy. Yeah. My beeper, I'll be honest. <laughs> and so I went in and I said, "Can I use your phone?" And the guy goes, "You." And my headshot was right on the table, and he was like, "You wait right." here don't move oh you're in trouble you and i'm like what happened and then finally carmen goes out and she goes where have you been i've been calling you and trying to get in touch with you i guess she wrote the number down wrong yeah or whatever oh, wow. but i was like i'm here she goes come in the room and then she goes okay she goes i want you to read for this part it's a lead role she's like but i want to be honest with you larry hates you she's like she you know i guess i accosted him at the club and like he just like didn't like my vibes yeah. so she's like just don't be you she's like sit on your hands <laughs> She was like, and just say the words. She's like, maybe we can get you this part. And I was like, oh my God. She, I go, how many people are up for this part? She goes, no one. We can't, we've, we've seen everyone in New York and LA. Like, you're the one that I want. And I'm like, yeah. holy fucking shit. She goes, do you want to see why? And I go, yeah. She goes, do you want to see who you'd play? And she opens up the the true crime novel, and I look exactly like the freaking guy. Yeah. Oh, wow. And I'm just like, 
except for a mustache. And I'm like, oh, like, she's like, no, go with me. And so she trained me and I worked on it for like a week. And then I finally went and auditioned and I I ripped my shirt off and I did all the lines. And Larry was like, you're it. You're hired. He's like, you got the part. You start on Monday. That must have been nice to like. You know, having been from Florida, I mean, from New York originally, but like having lived in Florida, identified I was with there Florida, when it happened, and, yeah. And you being there when it happened and having that connection to Florida be sort of your first big thing. My first scene was that... across the street from my high school. Wow. wow. And my oh, wow. guidance counselor came into my trailer, and I'm just like, it was so surreal. The whole thing <laughs> also, was like. Also, we have to like give credit. I mean, I, I, as a, I'm 37, and I remember. Brad Renfro in the 90s yeah, right. was not only really hot, but I also think he was... When did he pass away? Um, it was a while ago it's now. A, yeah, it's a long yeah. time now. Um, but he was sort of an unsung gay hero because his many of his performances, especially after he was a kid actor, had this sort of queer yes. yeah. element to it that... You got the vibe that something was hidden. Something was hidden, and he wanted you to not. I'm not saying he was queer, but I'm saying his performances. I know he wasn't queer. queer. I know he had queer experiences. Yeah, and he was. He told me he's like I have a lot of demons. He's like, he told me he hooked up with a friend one time, but he didn't like it. It wasn't for him. Mm. He was just like, I accept you for who you are. I had issues on that set with being gay. It was a whole other thing, and you know, but like I just feel like Brad was supportive of that, and that's one of the reasons I loved him. He was just a really real loss, real troubled dude, like. You know, I think his drug suppliers were his family, you know, yeah. and, you know, yeah. when you're, he was 12 years old when he got the client and they gave him $300,000 when he was 12 and his family was like a poor family from Tennessee. That's a lot. Yeah. So they just like cash cowed him all the time, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah. I even like, I mean, Larry, um, I love Larry. I mean, he gave me a big break, you know what I'm saying? But I don't, I think Hollywood was different then. You know, when 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 Brad was supposed to do this movie, he was really strung out on heroin, and they, like, propped him up in the car. Larry went to Tennessee and picked him up and drove him, sobered him up for, like, a couple of days, yeah. hired a guy who was, like, an intern to just wa- babysit him all the time, which is impossible, mm-hmm. you know, and then just, like, try to make him make a movie, like, while he's, like, coming down off of all this, you know? Yeah. So it's, like, it wasn't a good ser- scenario for him to be in, you know? Yeah. And I think he, he he's an example of someone who got like used up and sped out by Hollywood. There's and a I, lot of those. And people ask me all the time, I'm the wrong motherfucker, but people ask me, how do I get my kids into the business? And I'm like, yeah, don't. Don't. Yeah, don't. I'm like, put them in college. Classes. Put them in college and classes <laughs> and then they go, eh, I don't really know. And I'm like, trust me. Yeah. I'm like, don't do it. Like, Well, what are you working on now? Like, what's going on now? Um, well, I, I'm working on a podcast. I'm working on my stand-up. Mm. Um, I'm directing my first feature. Oh, can I am, you, do, you travel everywhere doing stand-up. I, yeah, I travel everywhere doing stand-up. Touring. A lot of touring. I do a lot of colleges. I've been writing my hour with students in a way. I've been like doing, like instead of doing an hour, I've been doing a half hour and then a half hour of AMA and just like going in there and asking them, making them ask me stupid questions yeah. like about hot dogs a sandwich and like, oh, like just like stupid, like ridiculous stuff and then taking stuff out of that and putting it into my Would show. Would you and... clarify a hot dog as a sandwich? I don't no. think so. No. no. It's in the sandwich family. It is because but... there's bread involved, but the bread is connected together, thus making it not a sandwich because right. it has to have two slices. And I think a tomato is in the fruit family, but ketchup's not a smoothie, so mm. Also, I have I feel strongly that breakfast sandwiches are bullshit. What? I do. I, I live because for breakfast sandwiches. Well, breakfast sandwiches, albeit convenient in a rush, 
if you take away the bread and the egg and the bacon, mm. you have three delicious options to savor. You could put jelly on the bread and have it be mm. dessert breakfast. You could have the egg, which is a savory with a little bacon. You taste yeah. it, just eat it, and it's a it's it's a, it's respectable. But you put it in a sandwich form, <laughs> and it's quick and disrespectful. We're close in age. Do you remember the McDLT? Yes, I do. Where the hot stayed hot and the cold stayed cold. Like yes, it was a McDonald's product. It was where the, the, yeah. The, oh, it was in a, a styrofoam container that had two sections. And one was the hot meat on a bun, and the other one was the bun with the lettuce and the tomato. So the hot stays hot and the cool stays cool. Yeah. Did you like that? The days. I did. Yeah, I did. Yeah, you see I separate that. Well. Breakfast is the best. You have to respect it. Danny, wait, thank wait, wait. You. Sorry, sorry. Uh, this is important. We want to talk about a little bit about um, this year, your sort of shift and pivot on Instagram mm. um, that has. I think would inspire a lot of our it listeners. It does tie into all of this. Like, yeah. We were talking about the looking thing and everything else, but I just... What happened? Well, I'm, I'm no. saying it was a joke, but like, but I just what got, happened on Instagram that made I you take this turn? I snapped for a minute because I do realize, I talked to a lot of guys who, like, <clears throat> my specialty is dating a guy who's never really dated a big guy, <clears throat> and then they're like, hey, I like you, and I like you for this, and this is hot, and like kind of turning them, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Whereas like, I've been with also like fetishists who have treated like my belly like it's a giant breast or something, and I'm just like... And both made me feel uneasy in the beginning, but then I'm kind of like, why not? Let them, let them, yeah, let them get, try to let milk them get it. it. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Enjoy it. You know yeah. what I mean? And part of that's been like letting me like embrace that. But so I've found comfort in like myself, but the guys who are the fetishists, they always, I always ask them like, when, when did you like a big guy? Like, what was the first thing that made you say like a bigger guy was sexy? And almost all of them said when James Gandolfini was in That's Soprano. mine. <laughs> there you go. Now, now, I, I wouldn't say it became, I mean, it definitely is not a fetish or whatever, I, I, but James Gandolfini had, he's not necessarily, to me, an attractive man, but in watching The Sopranos. Sex appeal. There was a, yeah, there was this sort of like fiery sex appeal that came with the, the, the juxtaposition between his rage and his empathy. And it just, it was so fucking sexy that I was huh. just like, Choke me, and then yeah. and then on enough, yeah. and then on enough said he's so heartwarming and sweet and kind that there's a different form of sexiness yeah. there. But he's in that he's also like that in The Sopranos too. I'm actually rewatching yeah. The Sopranos right now. Oh, and it he has that where there's these moments of like for example after his therapist got she she that great episode not oh, not great what happened episode. but she was raped and the way she responded to it and the way he responded to. In a later episode, but related to that, oh, it's late. I'll walk you down to your car. Those little things just yep. made, made me it. just fall in love with this man. But you had an opportunity yeah. to see something like that, right? And I felt like looking was like I was we were like I was doing it, but I was like almost there. Yeah, I'm doing it like in a queer space, and and I knew because of, like the other guy I told you about that like it was moving moving the needle a little mm-hmm. bit. And then here I am on a gay cruise, and I'm on this gay cruise. Oh, that's the and worst. And I go to myself, should I? go out to the pool in this short sleeve shirt or should I go out to the pool in a tank top? And I'm like, why the fuck am I sitting here debating on whether what what am I more comfortable in? What do I care what anybody else says? Like if people are going to look, let them look. And and then other people who want to fuck me are going to see what I look like and come up and talk to me. Like it's kind of like, I don't know what everyone's so afraid of all the time and not to punish myself. I think they're afraid no one's going to want to come up and fuck them. But here's the thing. Somebody said to me, Danny, it's no secret like what you look like with a shirt off. We see your belly with the t-shirt. 
Yeah. It's just skin colored, which is sexier. Yeah. Do you know? It's like no secret like that I'm a, I'm a big person. Like you, what I look like with clothes on is what I pretty much look like naked. Right. So it's kind of like what <laughs> a, lot I, of I, a lot of denim. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of denim. Yeah. A lot of denim tattoos all over yeah. the body. But I'm saying like I'm saying like guys who want to be with me want to be with me because they think my size is hot. Yeah. So I might as well right. be comfortable. I might as well let my belly see the sun. So what are you doing on Instagram? So I've been I had like a big boy summer moment like where I just really just started taking my clothes off more and saying like people you know they need to write more roles like more like here's the thing that really bugs me I love Ryan Murphy I'm a, the biggest Ryan Murphy fan I've watched every show he's ever done mm-hmm. but he but he, and he has he listens he has the most <laughs> he, I love you Ryan yeah. you have like the he has the most diversity and like out of anybody um, he's people have inclusion writers in their contracts mm-hmm. his cast is all people uh, his crew is all people of color and women like he's like a pioneer yeah where in all of your gay programming is the big sexy guy why are we still invisible to you? There's the like, guy from The Shield, but he got buff. But yeah, he was buff yeah. and he was the strong man. That's not the same. <laughs> yeah. What's and, his name? Uh, um, uh, Den- uh, Dennis Franz? No, yeah. no, no. Dennis, no, no, Dennis, no, Dennis no. Franz. <laughs> oh, that NYPD Blue where he showed yeah, his, he butt. his butt. <laughs> Love that episode. Another thing, right? Yeah. Another moment, which is why I brought that up. But... Dennis Franz doesn't compare to James Gandolfini, though. Let's not go there. But my thing is, like, why not? You know? <laughs> and why, why can't. There's nothing I could audition for for him, and he's my favorite person is putting stuff out there right now and I have like zero roles that I could be up yeah. for in all of his entire career universe it doesn't make sense to me mm-hmm. like and they're making such strides with things like Pose so I started being vocal about it I know that the trailblazers get the arrows and not the land maybe I'll be the one that's like why aren't there sexy fat people out there and then I'll hire another sexy fat guy but at least it'll happen but did you yeah. see did you foresee the sort of the big shift that sh- that happened. I mean, a lot of people responded to it, and yeah. it really moved people, including myself. Oh well, thank you. But I got so many great letters. Guys were like, "I, me and my husband, were going on holiday for like two weeks, and we're going like to a beach vacation, mm-hmm. and we never take our shirts off." And we said, we looked at each other in the eye. We're like, "We love each other. We're we're in a committed relationship. Who gives a fuck? Let's just and be comfortable." Yeah. And so then they sent me pictures of them like in floats, oh. you know. And one guy said, "I'm 66 years old, and I hope to one day have the confidence that you do." I'm like, "What are you waiting for? 77? Yeah. Take your shirt off." <laughs> He's like, "I'm afraid like a little." Kid It'll stare. I'm like, maybe the first one, but then you normalize it, and that little kid might not make fun of another kid mm-hmm. that the way we got made fun of to think we have to keep our shirt. But you're on. a real per- like you have real feelings. Like this is real. <laughs> it's not like the usual Instagram thing where it feels yeah. fake and empty. And I would just... love to be your DM. You must get so many nudes. I, you know, people do. I, here's the thing with me though. People don't know. Like, like a thirst trap traps flies. <laughs> like, <laughs> you got to come correct for me. I am a prize yeah. to be won. Like, I am not somebody that like. So all the ones that come in with all that shit, I'll be like, uh, and I'll entertain it with like a heart emoji. <laughs> but that's all they're freaking getting. A heart emoji. Danny, <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here. You. I where can people you. find you online if they don't already? You can find you. me. At What's up, Danny, or what's up, Danny.com? But what's up, Danny on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, blackpeoplemeet.com, JJ, <laughs> Christian Mingle, Farmers Only, and Venmo. Thanks, Danny. <laughs> and another thing. So I'm wondering, guys, when did you first learn about how gay sex works and were you, how did you react when you learned about like butt sex? And not that everybody does it, not that everybody's into it, but that that was sort of like the main thing about, you know, gay dudes at least. Yeah. How, how did you learn about, where did it, did it hit you? Well, did it even turn you on? Like as a kid did, or a kid or a teenager, whatever it is, did the idea of it turn you on? Uh, no. Yeah, yes. 
Um, <laughs> Alan's not correcting which, you, Brent. Which yeah. is which is like explains our differences. Right. <laughs> uh, I, I remember as a kid watching like straight porn and just in general being obsessed with penises, and not much has changed. Um, I was fascinated by ma- the male body, but penises particularly, and uh, and I always wondered like how does it work with two men and I'd watch straight porn and I would try to figure out like how two men could work that out. And I figured out real quickly that you put it in the butt and, and it, it, it did turn me on. It scared me because I was like, is this like a wrong, like I, cause I hadn't seen it. Yeah. Like I didn't see physical and by examples the way, of no it. No one's going to tell you about it. Yeah. And so I, I didn't really know anything about how that would work until it really happened to me. I can imagine a little H. Allen going to the library oh, looking for— <laughs> well, well, I mean, I mean, Brent will talk about this, but I went to Borders. Homosexual, <laughs> homosexuality written in 1968. Right. <gasps> no, I went to Borders, and I looked at, like, art books me with, too. like, I penises, too, yeah. and I just I ripped out pages. I ripped out pages of Playgirl. I just wanted all the penises. I wanted but, no, every... there was no, but where did you see butt sex? Well, and the butt sex didn't really come until I had it. Yeah. Until I I, until I and then I figured it out. Like it helped. It, that all helped me figure it out. But like watching straight porn helped me figure out that two men could have butts. You kind of had to guess. Yeah. Guess your way there. Yeah. Did Did you <laughs> Did you do it knowing this is how you do it, or or was it like I I learned because my boy, boy my first boyfriend was like, here's how it works. Blah 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 blah. I sort of subconsciously I think thought. Because I remember before I had lost my virginity to Dennis Rodman that <laughs> I I uh, I thought, oh, I'm probably gay. But it was scary because yeah. I hadn't physically had the confirmation. Sure. And in in having Dennis Rodman put up my butt, <laughs> it, it 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 gave me the confirmation that I needed not and not so much that I liked it or that I wanted to have anal sex then or I was even ready to have anal sex. I was so not. You don't like Dennis Rodman? No. Um. I didn't want a doll up my butt, mm. and I wasn't ready to have a penis up my butt. Surely, mm. but I'm grateful for the moment because it confirmed something that was really scary, but at least gave me an answer. Mm. Mm. Brent, you what know? about you? You know, I guess I don't know. I can't remember like specific times. I was always into porn, but I also remember easing into porn. Mm. Oh, how so? Which is like, you know, you're looking at pictures of shirtless guys, and then it becomes occasional dicks. I mean, I don't even think I was looking at dicks regularly until like I was in college. Maybe. Well, what about Borders <laughs> when you were in high school, right? So yeah, <clears throat> I would always buy Playgirls. <laughs> At Borders, I, love I can't believe this. you had the audacity to actually buy Me them. too, but this, yeah. but you well, have I'm not going to gonna shoplift them. But what's so? I but, did. but explain why this is so perfect. Uh, you didn't just buy them. I yeah. So I was too afraid, even in Ann Arbor, Michigan, the liberal college town. I was too afraid to buy a gay porn <laughs> magazine. So I, I would always have this, the cashiers gift wrap it because it was free at Borders. You could gift wrap anything for free. <laughs> And this kid. And I remember I remember going this kid. you know every month I would buy XY I would buy Playgirl I just and I would yeah. say it's I'm going to a party got to get a gift wrap That is and hilarious. And one time Susie's like this guy goes to a lot of gay parties. <laughs> oh there was God. one guy who must have done it for me maybe twice and I think the second cuz you know they yeah. they still had to gift wrap it so they didn't sure. like doing it. And I remember he gave me a look like, "Come on, man, just take the magazine, just put it in a just bag, and go." Oh my god! How did? But then when did you learn about butt stuff? Butt stuff. 
I honestly, you know, I I don't know if I can remember when I learned mm. about. Wait, why didn't? What was wrong with just putting the magazines in a bag? I, I, I don't he know. He didn't want to claim take ownership. It to a, ownership. Take it to a oh. Yeah, I guess I wasn't out. You had proud. to give a distraction yeah. for why you were purchasing it. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah I, it was a way of saying this is not for me. As Brent knows, I, I I was too afraid to buy the Playgirl, so I would look at it in Borders, but I would put it inside of a Nickelodeon magazine because yeah. that was the biggest magazine I could find. But I was so like, you'd be God, I hope like no. highlights for kids with a throbbing. <laughs> I got caught color. looking at a Playgirl once at a Borders or no, a B Dalton, um, and I was I was a kid and I was Playgirl I think I was probably in a in a Rolling Stone magazine because those were the big magazines yeah, they were sure. big and I could hide the Playgirl which yes. is a normal size magazine in it and then I would look at the magazine in the store and yeah. I remember a, a a clerk there came up and was like go like yeah. like it like she was yeah. like you got to get out of here wow. and and I left sort of in a thinging but I but I also was just sort of like I was scared it, it I, I oh felt, I was petrified yeah I felt scared but I also was like I got to see some dead. I remember like reading, but maybe buying a book at one point that that talked about um, butt stuff. Butt stuff. I also I remember going the joy of anal sex. <laughs> yeah, you could call it that. I remember going to uh, a friend of mine in New York. Uh, was like he was like I want to go to a seminar at this sex store that talks about how you can bottom more easily. Mm, yeah. So I went with him, and he's like, "You should come with me." And so we sat in the front row. <laughs> And this guy, there was like one of these easels, you know, yeah. with a, a, a big notepad on it or whatever. And everyone who listens to the podcast knows I'm very squeamish. I have the vasovagal response very easily. And the the guy starts his lecture. He's so professional. And he opens the first page and it's just the lower portion of the body with all of like the arteries. Yeah, the vein, internals. The internals. And like I a started, drawing, like a drawing, right? Uh, yeah, a drawing. Yeah. Yes, of course. Yeah, not a, not a cadaver. I mean, and I started passing out. Yeah, I, I had to. Yeah. I literally From a had drawing? to yeah. run I get out it. of the of the sex shop, and I collapsed on the sidewalk. On <laughs> I would Avenue. too. I it's guarantee too you. Much. As soon as you ran out, the ho- the guy teaching that was like, "And he's a bottom." <laughs> <laughs> what, what would your, your aunt, aunt say? say? Uh, Brent, what would your aunt Ramona say about something she heard on today's podcast? I'll be honest with you. The way you talk about butt stuff, it makes you sound like a virgin. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, my, jo- my Aunt Joanne would say, what is the difference between a dancer pole and a stripper pole? It's the mm. same damn thing. Yeah. Yeah, my Aunt Anne would also go in the pole direction. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, She'd say something funnier than Aunt Joanne, though. Well, she would say, you know, I thought about taking a pole dancing class, but I don't know. Your Uncle Ray gets dizzy so easily. I don't think, <laughs> gets the spit, the I don't think he can take it. <laughs> well, thanks for listening. I'm Elliot Glazer. I'm Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Allen Scott. Star Bands Audio, a podcast, <clears throat> a podcast network.